Hello once again, we're coming at you, putting that double and the triple double. It's the Pace and Space podcast. Like usual, this this is me, Calvin, your host, and with me as always is my co-host, Leif. What's going on, Leif? Man, I'm doing great. Not as good as, as Westbrook, but I'm doing great. Man, Russ had a great game the other day. Once again, we're coming to you live as part of the Sideline Reporter. Uh, you can always catch us at dslreporter.com. You can also find us on Twitter at DSL Reporter. And once again, we're back again another week to talk about the NBA with you guys. So even though it may have seemed like not a heavy news week, we're going to we're gonna chop up some things. Uh, one of those things being how we once again had a player with a 50-point triple-double, as Leif alluded to, Russ Westbrook. 57-point triple-double, never done before in history. Any any words on that? Man, and it wasn't just a 57 in itself. You have to think about how clutch he was at the end, too. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he carried that team to victory with those 57 points in overtime. So, I mean, you got to give it to him. Yeah, you do. There were a lot of MVP cases being made this week. We had Westbrook put his his flag his hat in the ring once again we had uh James Harden with another uh, strong week this this week as well and then we had Kawhi Leonard and the San Antonio Spurs just putting the smackdown on the Cleveland Cavaliers on Monday on national TV for the whole world to see they they blew him out the j- the gym Cleveland had no answer for them and not only that Cleveland dropped for the first time this season, I believe, or the first time since, like, in November, out of the number one seed, and now Boston is taking first place in the East. Who saw that coming, huh, Leif? Nobody. But at the same time, you if you look at the pattern of what was, what's been taking place in Cleveland, it kind of seems like that sense of urgency is gone. Mm. And... When that sense of urgency is gone and you're just playing and going through the motions, I mean, what do you think is going to happen? Especially when you have teams who see you're sliding, see that you're going, you're not playing at your top level. They're just going to slide right in. So, not to say that I saw it coming, but I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think the writing has been on the wall for a bit. They've been kind of playing lethargically as it was. I think a little bit earlier this month, like last week, there was a stat put out how the Nets have more wins in the month of March than the Cavs do. So that that was kind of a red flag right there. But, you know, we're going to talk about the Cavs, and we don't want to fall into the trap everybody does where they immediately say, you know, what's wrong with the Cavs? Why are they, why are they losing? What's going on? And forget that Boston has done its job to get into first place now my first question to you is are the celtics legit does getting the number one seed do anything to elevate their their chances into coming out of the east this year nope (laughs) okay all right right that was a quick answer you want to elaborate on that Oh, you want more? Oh, okay. Yes, yes. we we do we do have a podcast to record, so a little more would be great. A little bit more. I'll give you a little bit more. No, 
this will not mean that they will come out the East, nor does it mean that their chances of coming out of the East has increased because they have the, they're currently in first. I say that because Cleveland is still there. And despite the fact that they're slotting right now, I've always looked at it as any team can be any team on any given day. Mm-hmm. But when you have to play that team several times over the course of a week or two, that's something that I'm not sure the Celtics are going to be able to do against Cleveland. So they might be slotting. They might be going into some teams and not performing well, talking about Cleveland. But I don't want to take anything away from Boston. They're playing great. In fact, not just Boston. Washington's playing great also. Let's not forget them. They are. They're they're playing very well this especially this month they they've come alive they're really trying to make a statement so yeah i agree with you yeah but i don't i don't want to look too much into it you know I, I just think right now if i had to think about it i think the Cavs are bored hmm. they're bored i mean golden state went through the same thing a few months ago they got bored so i think right now they're kind of bored they're, they're, their legs are heavy. They're, they're, they're a slow team, but they're an older team also. But I think once the playoffs come around, once you have to play that same team over and over again during the course of a week, I think that's when you're going to see them back to what, we're, we're, what we would expect from them. That I, That's fair, and I agree. Even though Celtics may be first in the East as of right now, I wouldn't say – they have the best chance of beating Cleveland or have the best chance of coming out of the East. I still think if anyone's going to to do that other than Cleveland, it's going to be Washington or, or Toronto. I think those are still the uh, the tougher co- tougher competitors when it comes to challenging Cleveland in the East. But I will give Boston credit. This was a team that was just scraping for the playoffs like two years ago and made it to they they were hovering around four or five last year and now here they are on the top of the pile so that progression has been coming in Boston especially now with Brad Stevens as coach he's turned around that team and I got to give them credit for that but I agree like you said I don't think this increases their chances it doesn't hurt their chances because if they are able to hold on to the number one seed they'll have home court advantage all the way through the east and that's not a bad thing to have so we'll see what happens but they aren't actually doing themselves any favors by taking on the heat in the first round because that is the second hottest team in the east since the all-star break yeah that's that that's a matchup that i would look forward to but I don't think Cleveland wants anything to do with that. Yeah, they don't. Boston, maybe even more so, cause I, because I think even more than, than Cleveland, they would have a problem with Whiteside's uh, size in the middle. So, And I don't know who they're going to put on Dragic. I mean, they're still the better team, but uh, you know, the Heat's going to be pesky in that first round, either whether it's Cleveland or, or Boston. That is true. Who's currently in eighth right now? In eighth? 
in the Pacers. East, in the East, it's a tie between Miami and Indiana for seventh. <laughs> Siri wanted to disagree with you. She surely wanted to disagree with me right there. So yeah, the Pacers and Heat are tied for seventh, but I think the Heat get the edge, perhaps due to a tiebreaker on that one. So that would actually mean the Pacers are gonna fall into the eighth as it stands right now. Pacers and the newly signed Lance Stevenson. Yeah, they they brought him back home. Siri has something to say about Lance too. <laughs> uh, so this is interesting. This is things are getting tight, and uh, we'll have to see if Cleveland can uh, fight Boston off and stay in number one, or if Boston will be able to, you know, unseat them. But so we talked about Boston's chances. Now we got to talk about Cleveland cause, because as we started off by saying Cleveland got destroyed by San Antonio on Monday and they've been losing a lot of games lately, a lot of games. It was very surprising, not what you would have expected from a team that's been relatively healthy. I know Love missed most of the month of March, but he, he's back now. J.R. Smith is back now. They reinforced with Darren Williams or Larry Sanders, but it just seems like this team is just out of sorts right now, right? Yeah, they don't seem like themselves. And and you look at the eye test; they're slow. They're a very slow team. Yeah, uh, I mean, I believe Ramona Shelburne had tweeted out some stats that showed that they were like the s- slowest team, one of the slowest teams on defense. And if not the worst, not the slowest team, one of the slowest teams on offense as well. And it's showing up in their defense, too. They're just not a strong defensive team right now. They're they're last in transition defense. They're, like, middle of the pack in half-court defense. And overall, they're, like, 23rd. They're in, they're in the bottom. They're in the bottom tier of the league in defense this year. And to think that is something that LeBron prides himself in, getting his team to play some defense and yet look where they are right now. Right. You know, and a lot of people are saying that this is something that can change in the playoffs. They can flip that switch. People have been referencing the 2001 Lakers, how they had a poor defensive rating, but then they turned it on in the playoffs. And that was the same year that the Shaq and Kobe Lakers went 15-1 and in the playoffs. But I think this is a little bit different of a scenario. For one, that's an outlier, and I don't know if you want to go by an outlier to say the Cavs are fine because they're the only team with a defensive rating in the 20s in this regular season to go to the finals or even win the finals. So to use them as like a rule of thumb is kind of kind of tedious. You're, borderline, you're really reaching on that one, I want to say. But then two... Because a lot of people made this comparison this week. I've seen that floated around. And I do want to say this about the 2001 Lakers. Not just because I'm a Laker fan, just because I want to call it how it is. That team was bad in the regular season on defense. Yes, because they were bored. But when you look at that roster, they had a ton of strong defensive players. Shaq, always a good defensive player. Kobe, 
he was a very good defensive player in his prime, especially during during that three peat. He he was all NBA defensive player a couple times, and he could always turn it up if he needed to. Rick Fox, strong defensive player. Derek Fisher, strong defensive player. Horace Grant, on and on and on. They had they had the people who could turn it up or turn it on rather when it came to defense on that team. When you look at this Cleveland team, I don't see that same thing. Kyrie Irving, notoriously bad defender. He's had some flashes, but he's never been a person where you can point to his body of work and say this person can turn it up when he needs to defensively. LeBron, he's he can do that. Kevin Love, same thing. He works hard, but he's just never been good defensively. Good rebounder, but that's about it. J.R. Smith, last year in the finals, he, he picked it up. He did. He picked it up on the defense. But that's still, that's not something you have a full body of work to say that he can do night in, night out in the playoffs. Just turn it up whenever he wants. And Tristan Thompson, good defender, but you're playing him in an undersized role a lot of times when he has to play center because he's about, what, 6'8", 6'9", and you got him going up against those seven-footers. So, and then in their bench, Darren Williams, not a good defender. Iman Shumper is a good defender, but you lose a lot on offense when he's on the court. Kyle Korver, not a good defender. Channing Frye, not a good defender. So I'm just trying to figure out who are the guys that are going to ratchet it up on defense in the playoffs when they need to lock teams down. I don't know. I have no idea. This is a very different team from last year because, you know, last year they could bring in Deladova. You know, they, they had – that was a big piece for them, especially on the perimeter defense. Right. He was a pesky – he was a tough player. Exactly. Who, you know, he, he'll expend all his energy on defense, and then he was still able to give you something on offense. Yeah, and I know they didn't play him much against the Warriors – but there were moments where they said, "All right, Mozgov, come in. We need we need a rim protector. We need a big body to to hold down the paint for us." And he was able to give them those minutes. They don't have that guy this year. So now we're looking at uh, Shumpert. I mean, Shumpert's good indeed. Yeah, he is. He is. So Shumpert, LeBron, um, Tristan. No, I don't even want to say Tristan Thompson. He's good on defense. He is. He's all right. Yeah, he's so. I mean, he's and, not Rudy Gobert on defense, but but he's solid. And then you have Kyrie, who has recently said that he's going to commit more to defense. So hopefully that means that by the time the playoffs start, he's ready to ramp it up. So I've only him. seen him play good defense on Steph Curry in the finals. That was about it. I haven't seen him do that at any other point in his career. Yeah, and the first time, he broke his knee. Right. <laughs> We should we shouldn't be laughing at that, but yeah, when he's playing that defense, that's it. But so I don't know, I don't know. It's not going to be an easy road for the Cavs. It's not going to be like it was before when no. they went against a Hawks team where we were like, okay, really, you know, or a pesky Chicago team who they've always seemed to be going against, but they're not going to have that this year. No. I mean, but Toronto is a lot better this year. 
Toronto gave them trouble last year. Toronto, yeah, they played Toronto last year in the Eastern Conference, and the team actually got better. They've improved where they needed to improve. You know, they have Ibaka now. They have PJ Tucker. I mean, they have guys that are that are ready for a seven game playoff series this year. So that's what I'm saying. So they got better. Washington. Washington got better. Think about Boston? this too. They haven't actually played Washington yet in the playoffs because the first year they went to the finals, that's when they faced the Hawks because John Wall broke his wrist against the the Hawks the see the series before. And it looked like the Wizards were gonna come out of that series until he got hurt. Right, I remember that. And then last year Wizards had a lot of injuries. The team was just a mess. They didn't get to the playoffs. So now this year you got healthy Beal, healthy John Wall. They're they've got a good coach in Scott Brooks. They're gonna have to look out for those those guys. Yeah, and they made some some good acquisitions during the trading deadline that they yeah. need to make. So you got some more depth on the bench. So yeah, you have to watch out for them. You ain't gonna sleep on them. But and Cleveland just has to step it up. You also don't want any team. Any team can ramp it up come the playoff time, come playoffs. And I'm just thinking about, you know, Miami. No one wants to play Miami. Um, they're just red hot right now. Um, Indy's not scary, so we need to worry about Indy, but they can always take a game or two. Yeah, they're sliding. They haven't really looked good since the All-Star break. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's opportunities there, but... I don't know. If if I if I were Cleveland, I would be concerned. If I were the fan, I would still be confident. If that makes sense. If you were the team, you'd be concerned. If you were the fans, you would still be confident. Yes. Well, there's there's no. That's the thing with Cleveland. the The best and worst thing I think that ever could have happened was that they came back from that three one deficit in the finals. Whoa, whoa, why? Explain. Well, it was the best thing because it was amazing, and the fact that they did it for a city like Cleveland was historic. It was record-breaking. It was, it was an amazing sports moment. So in that sense, it was great. Now, here's where it's bad. You're trying to get a team this year to get up for these games and to feel the pressure and urgency to perform the way they need to perform in February and March games when they're looking back like, man, we, we came back from 3-1 against a team that wants 73 wins. This this is nothing. We, we can do anything, basically. You, ha- they, you, can't, you can't not say that they don't feel that way, in, in my personal opinion. They're bored. Yeah. They're, they're bored. You're going through a regular season where you're playing. Everyone has already said you are going to the NBA Finals. But that's the problem. They're looking around. They're like, okay, we we don't see anyone here who's going to beat us. We have the best player in the world on our team. Right. What what, what are we worrying about? We just go out there. Everyone ramps it up, plays their game. We'll get to the finals. That's all they're thinking about. They're like, we're looking at the rest of these teams, and these teams do not have the playoff experience that we have. So – yeah, yeah, they're winning games right now. We're not worrying about Boston. Boston wins games 
in the last three minutes of games. We know that. They're looking at these other teams, and they're not nervous about them. I think the only thing, only people, only team who can beat the Cavs are the Cavs. Well, see, that's the dangerous thing because they think like that. Like we were just saying, the East isn't as easy as it was last year to come out of. No, I mean, it, it isn't. So, and, and, I mean, if you're looking at the teams from top to bottom, none of these teams, I wouldn't think any of these teams want to deal with Milwaukee, for one. Well, that's yeah. another one. They're the, they're the second hottest team this month behind Portland. They're, they got 13 wins just in the month of March alone. No one wants to deal with that size. No one wants to deal with the speed and athleticism on that team. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're an Asian team like Cleveland. They're the, I mean, they're the oldest team in the Eastern Conference. If you yeah. really think about it. So, And Milwaukee has like the one, the one guy in the East who could probably go toe-to-toe with LeBron right now in Giannis. There you go. So... I mean, they have some shooting problems, but that's kind of been resolved since Chris kind Middleton of. came back. Because now, because now you have Snell, you have Middleton, Deladova. You know, they have some shooters now that they can put around Giannis. So they've kind, of, they've, they've, their offense looks better lately. Um, but they're down a roll. They're they're playing very well. So it's true. Like if you're Cleveland. It's hard for you to get up for any of this and feel like there's urgency because you've you've completed the most improbable task you'll probably ever face as a professional basketball team, and you exactly. and you did it. So all this day to day stuff is is boring, like you said. But come playoff time, they have to get their heads in the game real quick. They're gonna have to get their heads in the game real quick, and. Maybe not the first round. Maybe they can kind of sleepwalk through the first round. But once they get into that second round, because it's not going to be easy either way. Because if they get if they if they hold on to the one seed, then they're facing either the the Raptors or the Bucks in the second round. And I don't think either matchup is exactly going to be a cakewalk for that for them. And then if so, they they fall to the two seed. Then they're playing the Wizards in the second round, and that's definitely going to be the hardest matchup for them. So you're looking at a situation where even in the second round, they could be facing some real danger this year. Yeah, I, I can see it. It is dangerous. So but they got, they got to wake up quick. They got to wake up, but I do, do, would you expect them to wake up all these last few games of the season? Well, maybe not. Maybe not these last few games of the season, but they they have to turn it on like as soon as game one of the first round starts. Yeah, if if I had if I had a guess, it's gonna get a little more ugly before it gets a little better. Right. And I say, what's gonna? If I had a guess, come game one, I think the Cavs are gonna gonna lose. They're gonna get blown out. And wow. then I think after that. Then you're gonna have some sort of LeBron intervention or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, Tyrone Lue is gonna do something to kind of motivate his team, 
And I think that's when they're going to ramp it up. Because from what we're hearing right now, they're not even practicing every day. Yeah. They're, you know, they're, their time is being spent in recovery. Which they should do. They should be doing that right now. And I do but, believe that, like, I believe LeBron can turn it up. He He's going to be able to do that, he, especially when it comes to the playoffs. There's, there's more rest between games. He's going to be able to give his all more every night. But if you're expecting or looking for guys like Iman Shumpert, J.R. Smith, Darren Williams to just turn it up a notch out of nowhere, I think that's when you start playing with fire, personally. Cool. And, you know, Kyrie, he's a gamer. Pretty, If he needs to step up, we know he can step up. He basically did that for the last three or four games in the NBA Finals. He just went to another level. Kevin Love, I'm still waiting for to see him just hit that next gear. I haven't really seen that from him yet. But if he does, then okay, you got your your top three guys ready to go. But you know, this is still the same Jr. Smith and Iman Shumper from the Knicks that did boneheaded plays after boneheaded plays. This is still the same Darren Williams who can kind of just disappear from a game at a moment's notice. That's Brooklyn fans. And Kyle Korver, he's a little long in the tooth now. Channing Fry, are you really going to say, all right, Channing Fry, kick, kick it up a notch tonight? And these are the guys they're going to have to say that to. Yeah, these are the guys who you're going to be hoping are going to be able to turn it on. Right. Get something out of them. Exactly. And, and that's where I think it's a little premature or presumptuous to say, oh, well, you know, the 2001 Lakers, they had the same issues, they were bored, and they turned it up in the in the playoffs, and then say that that's what the Cavs are going to do. I don't think the Cavs have a lot of those same type of guys that you can just assume will, will kick it in gear when it's time. Right. So that's the East. That's what's going on in the East. A uh, little bit of news in the West is, you know, last week or two weeks we were talking about how the Spurs were right behind the Warriors. The Warriors better watch out. And then they decided to put like a four-game cushion between them and the Spurs this past week, including a win over the Spurs that helped solidify that. And this is all still without Kevin Durant, who he's been practicing, so he could be coming back on the court uh, within the next week or so, and I know they'll be happy about that. But uh, it looks like the the number one seed's kind of set now in the West, right? Yeah, it's set. There's nothing going to change right now. It's going to go Golden State, and then after that, it's going to be the Spurs. Right. It's going to be Golden State, then the Spurs. And... What has been interesting is seeing how Portland has climbed back into the eighth seed. Uh, the other day they had a they took out the Denver Nuggets to take over the eighth seed. You know, Yusuf Nurkic has some some kind words for his former team. That was awesome. <laughs> said, "Hope you have a happy summer." That was hilarious. And you know, in the month month of March, Portland they're the hottest team in the league right now at twelve and three, fewest losses. 
And this is amazing considering they had the exact opposite February. But here they are. They, they're kicking it into gear now when it matters. And it, it looks like that Nurkic trade really helped them out a lot. It, it did. It did. It's, it always struggled with the big man. Right. And we always looked and we saw, like, for instance, we thought Nealon's Noel would be perfect on, yeah, we did. On, um, on Portland. And it didn't happen. And so many big men were available. We thought they were going to make the trade, and they didn't. And they just kept saying, you know, we're going to stick with Plumlee. We're going to stick with Vonley. We're going to stick with um, Leonard. And these are the players we're going to stick with. And when you think about it, you're like, come on now. Like, you you got two studs in your backcourt. Right. You think that you would match them up with someone in your front court, and they never did it. And so that's why it's kind of encouraging to see what, what you know, Nurk, Nurkic is doing right now. So... Yeah, they're definitely hitting a stride now in March. And they're looking more like the team we expected them to be this season. Not the disappointment they've been for most of the season. And it actually makes them a little bit interesting in the playoffs. I don't I don't think they're going to take the Warriors to seven or anything like that. But it is, it is interesting to see how they're playing now, looking maybe forward into the future. This is probably a team, if this is their true talent level, can can climb back into that 4-5 seed conversation next year like they were the last two years. Yeah. Oh, no. Because, I mean, Clippers, Thunder, Grizzlies, those are all teams that, you know, Jazz, I think they can fight it out with those with all those teams for that 4-5 seed next year. And they'll be a little inter- they'll, they'll be a little feisty for the Warriors, especially Dame can kind of go shot for shot with Curry a bit. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, it'll it's going to be a very interesting matchup. I I think Portland can probably take one one game. Yeah, gentleman sweep perhaps on that one. Yeah, they'll, the Warriors could close it out on five. But you know, Nurkic will be a challenge for them because they they don't do well against big men either, the Warriors. And Nurkic, he's a pretty big dude. You know, he's he's a he's a legit center. He, he's he's a he's an easy seven feet. And you saw what he can do, like he did to the Nuggets. He can score. He can rebound. He can block shots. He, he you know he's a big man's big man. So th- it'll be interesting to see how the Warriors handle that for their first playoff series and if they'll figure out something that can work for other series later on in the playoffs right so that's good that's some good stuff but um you know i want to talk about miami a little bit more they've just been playing so well since the all-star break what do you think the secret is to miami I've, i've tried to figure it out and I'm like, is it good coaching? Is it the fact that these players are, you know, is it drawing it? What is it? What what flipped the switch for them? Yeah, like what? Hmm. I mean, how do you go from being destined as a lottery team? I mean, you lost Wade, you lost Bosch. You're looking at a team that are featuring, you know, a bunch of, you know okay players you know you're not i mean nothing that you would think that they would play the way they're playing right now mm. what well, changed 
Well, it wasn't like they had bad players because they were starting out with a foundation of Whiteside and Drogic. But I think what happened a lot is uh, I think Drogic was still coming back into game shape earlier in the season. And they were still trying to do, they were still trying to figure out some roles for players. Like they were trying to get Justice Winslow going, and he didn't have a good season before he got hurt. He was struggling with his shot and things like that. And I think eventually Spolstra just kind of said, Here, Drogic, here's the keys to the car. Which he hadn't, which they hadn't done with Drogic since he came to Miami. Because remember, Wade was there still. And even though Drogic would get some place to run, it was it was Wade's team, so he would get the ball most of the time. And I think they finally got to a point where they were able to just let Drogic do his thing, run that pick and roll with Whiteside, and and do some things like that, and just see how he can take over a game. Because you know Drogic's a really good player. Oh, he is absolutely. There, I mean, there was a reason they signed him to that five-year deal because he, he was an awesome player in Phoenix. He did a lot of stuff for that team. And remember that when that Phoenix team was fighting to get into that last playoff spot, they were doing that without Bledsoe, Eric Bledsoe in the second half of the season. Right. Drogic was doing a lot of the work himself. So you have that. You have Whiteside, who's been playing very well. And then Deion Waiters. To me... At the end of the day, I just think we knew what we were going to get from Whiteside and Dragic. What we didn't expect is what we what we're getting from Waiters. It's almost like they gave him a green light. Well, they had to. And, what was what was the other what was the other option? You know. And I think it kind of backfired on them because <laughs> they probably said, "Look, you know what? We're not going to make the playoffs." You know, they probably you know bought. You know, waiters in the room and say, you know, we just want you to be you. Just just play, have a good time. We're not going to make the playoffs. And all of a sudden, you know, maybe he starts playing, going off a little bit. And they're like, wait a minute. You know, they start seeing what like, we went five games, ten games. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. And now they're on a roll and everything is clicking. I mean, what, James Johnson? He's playing. I'm like, how many teams have you been on? Like, Right, but you know he plays pretty good. He he had a so he had a good run on the Raptors a couple he years did. ago. He he's very streaky. Right, you know, he'll give you a good he'll give you a good two weeks. I'm now I'm speaking from a fantasy perspective because I picked <laughs> him up a few times. I've seen his numbers and I've been burnt by him a few times. So, but yeah, he'll have a good stretch. But he's really come in. He's really. You know, he's playing that the role of, like, that pseudo power forward very well. Right. It, he is. He, he's, he comes in. He gives them a lot of minutes off the bench. He's a lot of high energy. You know, they, they've got some interesting guys in that lineup. You know, uh, a Carl White has done some work for them. Willie Reed has filled in. It, it's just kind of been, like, you know, next man up kind of thing. Wayne Ellington. Uh, but... They've put some. They've they've invested in a couple guys that maybe not a lot of people would have, like Tyler Johnson and Josh Richardson, and you know those guys have kind of rewarded them, especially in the turnaround. They've they've been pretty solid role players for them, and then you have you know the Dragic Whiteside duo with 
with waiters now coming in and he's you know hitting big shots and really loving the the spotlight now that it's kind of been given to him so to speak and he's been a really good three-point shooter this year Dion waiters yeah shooting 39 percent i mean you know that's that's pretty good that's what you want out of your two guard and he's not like dominating the ball he's not being a club he's not being a locker room problem he's coming in getting his shots and he doesn't need to be like top dog he's okay with his role and they just become this force in the east surprisingly you got to give it to them you got to give it to them can they sustain that in the playoffs They'll be scrappy. I, they'll be scrappy. I think a game, maybe two games. Well, here's the thing: if they if they play Cleveland, I'll I'll give them two games. I think, I think they can get two games on Cleveland. If they play in Boston, they might take Boston a seven. I don't know. They're the kind of team that if you come out the if you come out the gate slow and you let them go on a run, it's gonna be a long night. Right. Because you know that there's no chill button on them. You know they're gonna pick the pace up, especially if they're when they're at home. Yeah, they don't go away. They're not gonna go away. You you might get a ten point lead, and then you might say, okay, let's slow it down a little bit and turn around, and it's like, wait, we only got a two point lead right now. What happened? Yeah, that's the kind of team that they are, and and maybe part of it is that they don't have like that one go-to person like you don't have the Wades and the LeBrons where all your attention is focused on it's really coming from all angles yeah it really is so it's interesting they're a team that I'm watching they are yeah. I'm, yeah. Wa- I, I'm looking forward to seeing them in the playoffs and you know I turned my head for a second and all of a sudden the Bucks are fifth in the east what happened there? It's all coming together. And I think that, that, that Chris Milton coming back was, was very helpful for them, too. Yeah, that's been big for them, definitely. It's funny. It's, it seems like what should have been a loss for them and Jabari Parker going down kind of opened up some answers for them. Because, you know, defensively and, and shooting-wise, they, they've improved with the ability to bring back Chris Middleton and you know Tony Snell's been playing pretty well for them he's he's given them a lot of what they were gonna lose with Jabari and he's been pretty solid for them and you know Brogdon the Ladova these guys are putting quality minutes in at point guard they're a good team and and Toronto's gonna have to watch out because they gotta go seven games now against the Greek freak Oh man, I don't know anyone who wants to do that. That guy is just amazing right now, absolutely amazing. Right, and if Don Maker like comes out of nowhere for a game or two and shows you some flashes of his potential, that's a dangerous team to go up against. Yeah, you don't want to go against that team. Now, let's think about it. I mean, so far, when you look in the East, I think all these teams can be competitive. I don't Mm -hmm. think there's going to be any instance where you're going to have a 
a four-game sweep. I think you're going to have some very competitive matchups, not just in the East. You may also have that in the West, too. Um, yeah, yep, because, uh, you know, Grizzlies are a seventh going against the Spurs. Grizzlies usually play the Spurs pretty good. Right. So. In, the, in the past, you will always say, all right, you know, this team's going to easily sweep. But with the way the the Cavs are playing, the way that you already know Boston plays, especially when you think about how Golden State, I mean, they're on a run right now. I mean, they've gone 9-1 in the last 10 games. They're on a run. Right. But we've seen their moments. And they also have to go and incorporate Durant back in the in the game in the scheme of things. So, yeah, that's true. Although I, I don't think they're um, regretting having to put him back in. They'll be happy to as soon as he's ready. <laughs> they, that's it's a lot of questions. I, you know, Portland they pull they're they're putting up a good fight right now. Um, I can't see them getting more than one game out of against the Warriors. Oh no. Um, Utah Clippers is still like the tough matchup it looks like in the West. Utah has the home court advantage now in that one. Thunder Rockets. It's gonna be a good series because you're gonna see Russ and Harden go back and forth at each other. But I think that might be a series where the Rockets kinda win that easily. I don't know. I can't say that. I do see the Rockets winning. I think that's going to be a very, very high energy series. It is. It's going to be high energy. I think there's going to be... I feel like a lot of those games are going to be dogfights, but maybe Rockets still pull out the win in like five games. Maybe six. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Houston just has too much offense. Oklahoma doesn't have enough offense. It's just one guy. Oklahoma, OKC would have to make the game real ugly. But you know what? They are going to be playing a, a Mike D'Antoni team. And that's something that has proven to work in the past. If you can just make the game ugly, don't let them play the, their running gun style and play a half-court set. Mike D'Antoni teams have struggled with that in the past. They have. They have, but... He hasn't had, he hasn't had this Hardy. team. Exactly. <laughs> he hasn't had this team... And in his mind, he's like, look, I'll just throw Patrick Beverly on Westbrook. Have fun. I hope not. I, I don't want I don't Russ want getting that. another knee injury again from Patrick Beverly. And dirty player. Yeah. But, I mean, if you think, just think about it. Mike D'Antoni has never had a player like James Harden before in his, in his system, in his offense. Oh, no. And not at all. This is like this is like Steve Nash upgraded, pretty much. Oh yeah, oh yeah. This is a whole different ball game. He he's never had this before. But it will be interesting to see if uh, Harden can live up to expectations. He 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 do he has some things to prove himself 
this year in the playoffs. This is remember this is the same guy that went deer in the headlights in the finals with OKC. This is this is the same guy that got subbed out and with his head down in his towel while Josh Smith brought the Rockets back against the Clippers. So he he's gonna have to show nah I'm I'm as good as everybody thinks I am and, and here's where I cement my uh my imprint on the league. I think he will. There's no doubt about it in my opinion. I I think he's learned from his past and this is his team and Dan Tony's the perfect coach for him. So right. if you bring all that offensive firepower at one time in one shot, oh man. Yeah. With a bunch of shooters. Yeah, they're not short on shooting, then they're not short on firepower, definitely. Yeah, so I, I'm not worried about them. I do think that it's not going to be an easy road for them, but it's going to be a very good series. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a good series. You know, Russ isn't going to go down without a fight. And if he can just get a little more help, you know, if Oladipo can take a step up, got you know, Steven Adams, Cantor, you know, those guys – they they could have something. It's not impossible. Remember how Adam stepped up last last time. Very true. He, he did. He stepped up. He stepped up when, especially in that Golden State series. Golden State didn't really have an answer for Adams. Not at all. They didn't. He all they had was a Draymond kick, <laughs> <laughs> and pretty much Durant losing a series for them. I'm gonna stand by that. Yeah. Yeah. That that is that is true. Uh, you know, people expected even bigger numbers from Stephen Adams coming into this year because of how good he looked. Not just against the Warriors, but against the Spurs too. The right. se- the series before, so yeah, if, you know, if they can uh, unlock that uh, formula again. You know, they got Taj Gibson now. They still have a lot of. They don't have as much length as when they had Durant and Ibaka, but they still have like maybe 85% of that now that they got Taj Gibson, Steven Adams. They still have Robertson, Cantor. They've got a lot of they got a lot of height on that team. McDermott, he's he's a good like 6'9", too. If he could keep his feet moving on defense, he could help out too. He's a good shooter. So they, it, it could be an interesting matchup. But you're right. I, I'm, but we're giving we're giving these guys credit, and we're kind of saying if they do this, well, we're we're hoping that, we're saying we're putting assumptions if they could do that, if they could do this, which is why I feel it. like it's gonna be five games. I feel like Rockets are gonna do it in five games because these guys haven't really shown you they they can do that. Except Adams, Adams has done that before, and and Cantor's, Cantor was really good in the playoffs last year. So let's change it up then. Do you think Westbrook has a 60-point game? Oh, man. <laughs> well, considering the amount of defense Houston plays, it's very possible. But I'm also wondering at this point, is that going to help his team? I don't know. I can see. I can honestly see Westbrook averaging 45 points a game. Oh, yes. Yeah. He's going to average... 40-something points, and he's going to average a triple-double for the series. 
and he's also gonna he's gonna he's also gonna have at least seven to eight turnovers a game. Is it? Yeah, that's the thing. And his shooting percentage is probably gonna be really bad. Like maybe barely at forty percent. That's that's not gonna get them the win, which is why I said I don't know if sixty points is gonna be a good thing. If he if he plays more how he's been playing, well, not this week because he dropped like fifty seven, but he was scoring less, passing more last couple weeks, which seemed like a concerted effort to get the rest of the team more involved, because because they're gonna need the whole team to put in the work in a playoff series. You can't just re- rely on on Russ in a seven game series. You can do it during the season when you're playing different teams, but you can't just rely on Russ night in night out against the same team four, five, six, seven games in a row to just do it all by himself. Right. You can. So we'll see. But that that is that's probably the fun factor on that one looks like it can be really high when you're talking about Rockets versus Thunder. And Utah versus the Clippers, the Jazz versus the Clippers, that's gonna be I think that's gonna be the most most the biggest dogfight in the West. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I still stand by Utah taking Clippers out in the first round. I still think that's gonna happen. Uh, I I agree with you. I'm about eighty percent sure that Utah will win that one. Eighty percent. That's a high number. That's a high number. I, I I don't I don't have any confidence in the Clippers. I don't and, either. I don't and either. They didn't do it before. They didn't do it against lesser competition. Right. So now you're a little bit older. You're going against tougher competition. And now you're going to tell me, yeah, sorry. It's going to be a tough it. one for them. It's not what, It's not where they were hoping the season would go, especially with a lot of questions, question marks for the end of the season with Chris Paul, with Blake Griffin, with J.J. Redick, too. All those guys are up for contracts this year. So this is definitely, I would have to assume this is the last ride for their top four players on the Clippers. It's the end of the road. Can't see all four of those guys being on the team again next year. Nope. It's the end of the road for a road that didn't get out of the first round. Well, they they got to the second round a couple of times. They but, did. Oh, that's right, they did. Yeah. The problem was they never got to the third round. They got to. The, that's right. They did get to the second round. Yeah. They uh they had that they had that series against OKC, where Chris Paul kind of crumbled at the end of one or two of those games, and then they had the infamous series versus the Rockets where they were up three oh, one. Yeah, that one. That one hurt. That one was. That one was rough. That one was rough. So they they've been at the precipice of the conference finals, but never got there. Well, they may, they may not have gotten to the road to the finals, but they can ride on the river of dreams. Oh, <laughs> uh, so poetic. Poetic, I know. <laughs> I had to pull it out. Sometimes I have to pull it out a little bit. That was good. No, that was good. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciated that one. Now we've been. I got to ask you this. We've been talking about the Raptors, how they're a good fit to go against the Cavs in a seven-game series. Does that mean that they should handle Milwaukee pretty easily in this in this first round? 
I I I would say that Toronto will win. I would say four two. Four two. That's four that's two. fair. That's that's fair to giving Giannis some credit there. Four two. I think that sounds about right. Toronto they kind of overcame it last year, but they still have the they still have that shakiness in the playoffs. Last year was the first time they got out of the first round. And they took that ride all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. But I wouldn't say they've gotten over that completely just yet. So they still have to show they can do it again, beat the teams they're supposed to. And you know that 4-5 four, four, seed, I mean, it's not a guarantee you're going to beat whoever's on the fifth seed. That's, that's the t- tightest matchup. Those are the two teams closest in power, so to speak. So... And- yeah. It can go either way. I th- and also, we got to wait for Lowry to come back. He hasn't come back yet. That's right. Good point. You got to wait for Lowry to come back, see how he looks. That was a problem two years ago. He wasn't right. He had that elbow injury. So, so we're hoping he comes back and he's able to regain his form, or else we were relying on what, Corey Joseph? Yeah, Corey Joseph. Um, you know, a lot of it's going to fall on DeMar DeRozan. I think regardless, I think even if Lowry's back, you're probably going to have to look for DeRozan to carry a lot of that scoring load that first round, let Lowry get a few, get another week or so to get back to where he used to be. And that's if he's fully fit, ready to play. But this is also the same team that has the things that we said was going to make it hard for Cleveland to get past them. They have Serge Ibaka, they have P.J. Tucker, they they have those reinforcements now. So even without Lowry, I would say a lot of people would imagine the Raptors to still be able to get over there, get past the Bucks. Yeah. I mean, they're, I think right now they're also gearing their team up for Cleveland. That's their mindset. I think the team that has the best matchup right now in the East, in order, for, I mean, in terms of, the easiest opponent is the Wizards. Oh, yeah. Because they have the Hawks. Yeah, that's an easy series. I think that's going to be an easy series. Only reason, the Haw- I mean, not going to say the only reason, but one of the reasons why the Hawks are where they are right now is because the rest of the East is so bad. Yeah, and they have a surprising run a little earlier in the season where they were they were kind of just rolling. Like I think it was in January, they had like this stretch of games where they were just beating teams night after night unexpectedly, and they shot back up towards like the the fourth, fourth or third seed in the East. But that was also when all the other teams in the East were were down and not playing the way they are playing now. And now that we see all these other teams like the Wizards, the Bucks, the Raptors kind of like find their footing again here they they've fallen back down and they might fall a little further before the end of the season yeah yeah they they're they're a candidate for the off season who needs to do a little revamping to their team right i mean there's about seven games left in the season and the heat and pacers are only two games behind the hawks for the sixth seed wow so, there's there's still some more potential shakeups. I know Paul George hasn't been happy with the Pacers. He's been uh, kind of asking questions about the team's desire 
to win. So that maybe that might be the kick in the pants they need to get back to where they need to be, or maybe that's it's gonna solidify them having the eighth seed as the team just kind of keeps falling apart there. Well, they answered. They answered George. You didn't see? No, no, I did not. I missed that. What? Did, how did they answer him? They signed Lance Stevenson. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'm sure that's his favorite person in the world. They were like, we don't want to blow it, so we'll sign Lance Stevenson. I mean, that's that's a very interesting decision, especially how Lance and Hibbert were part of the reason that team just kind of collapsed couple years ago when they were the number one seed and they could like barely get past the eight seed Hawks and that was kind of the end of their challenging the LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, Miami Heat Well you remember this Bird loves Stevenson and he didn't want him to go but he also knew that Stevenson was not going to be good anywhere else he's like your, your your place is here and because you're such a head case we're not going to give you this max contract or this money you think you're going to get and so right, right. charlotte charlotte gave it to him and he left but since he's done that i mean he's bounced from team to team to team and all over the place 10-day contracts and all the other stuff and so mm-hmm. he probably went back to you know bird like the prodigal son it was like you know sorry you know you were right and bird says you know i know i was right and so by the way here's a two-year contract right there's a two-year contract with a team option for a third or something like that yeah he because larry bird got him back the way he needed him because the whole reason he was able to get through to Lance Stevenson was because Lance was a second-round pick, even though he thought he was supposed to be like a lottery pick. So he's, he was able to sit him down and say, no, play your role, d- put your time in, and then you'll get more minutes. And then he built him up slowly. But then after that, last year in Indiana, when he, you know, he became a starter, he got all those minutes, he was, you know, crossing people up and getting all these you know these highlight highlights on sports center and you knew that contract was coming and, and bird knew he's like this is this is the last guy you want to give money to because he's not going to stay dedicated once you give him the big paycheck and that's what happened he went to charlotte did not work at all went to the clippers did not work at all he had like a flash with the grizzlies uh it just was not working for him and you know, and Bird knew that, and now Bird has him back again in the perfect scenario. He's been humbled. He he needs a job in the NBA, and Bird had him right where he wanted him again, and that's why he put that two-year deal with the third-year third option so he can lock him in at a at a, on a contract that keeps him humble, keeps him hungry. Yep, and now you say, all right, so we head to the playoffs, and Lance, you know what we, what we want from you. And he's probably—I don't expect him to get a lot of burn, so maybe, maybe not. I mean, he's only twenty-six still. That's the crazy thing about it, right? He's still twenty-six. He's still young, so mm-hmm. so he's done this. He's really been traveling all around for the past what two years, three years. This bouncing from team to team. Yeah. 
So it's only been three years since he's been on Indies. So and now he's back. And now maybe he looks at it and says, you know what? You were right all along. You know, I had a good thing going here. I mean, he was a nightly triple-double threat. Mm-hmm. And he then, was. And now, you know, he's a Shaq and a fool threat in his life. <laughs> So, well, he was always he was always uh, a Shaq and a Fool uh, nominee. Yeah, but at least he would have been on. He's he'll have a holiday on Sports Center, and then he'll be on Shaq and a Fool. Now it's like you see clips of him falling on his face, throwing the ball out of bounds. Right, right. Yeah, it's you know, been a rough road for him, man. My phone blowing up because he got ten, another ten day contract. And you know, every and the thing is, every team he went to in those ten day contracts, they were playing him. Mm-hmm. So they were like, "You have something to offer us, but we don't want it more than ten, twenty days." That's because they didn't want the attitude that came with it, right? You know, I think, they, I think, I think they felt that once they gave him that money that he was just going to go crazy that mm-hmm. yeah you're being nice now but once you feel that you're in that's when you start getting lazy but hey hope it works out for him and i hope paul george likes his gift right it's yeah i mean like he said still only 26 he's the same age as paul george they're the same age yep so you know this was supposed to be the uh the pl- one of the players that's supposed to they that they were supposed to build up together with Paul George and now they got him back so maybe they can uh, re- rediscover what was working for them a couple years ago. Reunited and it feels so good. But I would sing that a little bit better, but no one wants to hear my voice. It sounds really bad. Oh no no we we all need the velvety pipes of Leif Bryan in our lives from time to time. Well, well maybe next time I'll head a tune for y'all. Well, you heard it here, guys. There's gonna be some singing. Check back. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little something to get uh get the fans interested for next week. You know, gotta drop in that little uh that little surprise for them. But you know, there's been like you said, it wasn't much to talk about. But I, you know, we got a good, we got a good show, and we got, we talked about a lot of things. We talked about the East, the West. Talked about Lance Stevenson, which I know was just you were just dying to get that off your chest. So now we got that in. Speaking, speaking of, speaking of Lance, you think there's any chance Nate Robinson gets a call up at any point now that he's in the D League? Uh, no. Oh, for this season. Yeah, maybe you know, just to just to play out the string. Uh no, no. Yeah, no. I mean, there's not even enough games for a ten day contract, right? No, yeah, no. I I don't think there's any chance. But if you're listening, Nate, we're pulling for you. Hope you get that contract, man. I mean, Nate did it to himself, really, if you think about it. Nate went through that whole phase of when he was trying to play football. And then he right. came back and said, all right, I'm, I'm going to go back to basketball. At least Lance, you know, at least mm-hmm. try to stay in basketball. 
Yeah, well, I think well, I think Nate did that because he wasn't he wasn't hearing the numbers he wanted to hear from the teams in the NBA that were going to sign him or were looking to sign him. So I think it was more I think it was more one of those things, not that like not that he was getting a good offer in the NBA and chose to go to football instead. Well, he was on a team was that last season and he stunk it up. Yeah, yeah. He stunk it off and he was cut after like the first week. So. Yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Um, you know the way he plays, his style, and it has his at his size. It's it's not a recipe to age well, especially in the NBA. So he's gonna have to like rediscover himself if he wants to if he wants to hang around. Gonna have to like turn himself into like an Ish Smith or TJ McConnell type player. You know, someone that's ready to run the offense and not just try and get by on athleticism. All right, so he so you're pretty much saying he'll be on the Sixers next year. Perfect. You heard it here first. Calvin there said Nate Robinson is going to be on the Sixers. Gonna be their sixth man. Yeah, because they'll probably draft another center this year anyway, so they'll need a point guard. Oh yeah, they'll have the second pick overall, and they're gonna be staring at ball. And instead of picking him, they're gonna pick a center out of Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, have you seen his tapes? Speaking and of like, Philly and speaking of rookies, it, it looks like Dario Sarge pretty much sewed up rookie of the year, right? I told you, yeah. Yeah, you're right, you're right. He, I mean, well, he wasn't putting up 20 and 10s every night when you said it but originally, but he, that's all he's able to do apparently in the month of March, so. Well, when you got people in your way and you have, you know, B dancing all over the place and Okafor and Noel trying to fight for minutes, you got them out the way and now you can really see what the prize really was. <laughs> oh, Dario Sartre is the real prize. Everyone said trust the process, but that, they meant they were talking about Dario, not Embiid, huh? Dario, Super Dario, Super Dario. That is a pretty cool nickname. Super right? Dario, he was the process all along, and we didn't even know it. I mean, hey, there's nothing wrong with a six ten three point I, I shooter that can make some nice passes. I can't even keep a straight face saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go with you, man. I was going to go with you on it. I was just going to roll, say, yep, you got him, man. But, but you know what happened. Come next season, we realized all this was fluff and just him just playing, performing well in garbage time. But no, nah, I, I knew he I knew he was going to be good. He was going to be good. So I'm glad he's getting his due. I think him getting Rookie of the Year is justified. I've said it for a long time that I think he was going to get it. I'm surprised – Embiid had it if he stayed healthy, but oh, yeah. he didn't. I can't give you rookie rookie of the year for thirty one games, and I still think some writers are going to give it to try to give it to him. But I mean, I don't think so at this point, especially with how Dario's played the last two months, and he's been playing the whole season, and he wasn't bad earlier on. He wasn't getting that many minutes because he's playing behind Elisova, but. Once he got right. the minutes, he's always played pretty well. Yeah, he's playing behind Ursan. They were trying, they were pushing him in that small forward role. 
he was used to being a power forward. That's what he wanted to do. Right. And so now he has that opportunity to play a position he's more comfortable with. He has he's not fighting for his minutes. He don't have him camped out by the three point line. Now he's able to move around, get under the basket, get some easy layups, get his rebounds. Hey man, you're looking at a good player here. I know, and to think uh, Orlando drafted him and traded him for Alfred Payton on draft night. Yep. So, ouch, Orlando, once again. Yeah, trust the process. Sam Hinky. <laughs> Did you hear about that Hinky that um Minnesota was thinking about bringing him as a GM? Minnesota. Uh, I didn't hear that, but I did hear another team had asked to, to, to talk to him. Was it the Kings? Or no, yeah, yeah, I was wrong. Not Minnesota. It was the Kings. Yes. The Kings asked. The Kings asked to talk. I haven't to heard him. anything else about that since. Hinky probably looked at them and said, ah, I think I'm okay, guys. <laughs> He's like, we need you to help us. What? Help us tank. And it was like, well, you've been tanking for the last five years. What do you want me to do now? I mean, you tank to get a guy like DeMarcus Cousins, and then they traded DeMarcus Cousins. So, what now? I mean, you you should be looking for a GM. If you are looking for a GM, you should be looking for a GM that is going to be savvy, find undervalued guys to help turn it around quicker. That's what you really need to do if you're Sacramento. Because you have, you have all the prospects. You have all the prospects. You got Willie Cauley Stein. You got um, what's the uh, other guy? Um, Scalabrisier. You got him. You got Buddy Hield now. And he's been playing well. Too. He's been playing good. You know, he's been playing good. He's showing a, he's showing a lot more of a skill set when he's put been given more of responsibility in the offense. Now I don't think he's gonna be. A superstar or anything like that but you know if he can be a consistent scorer for you that's okay you got that and then you have some good defense when Willie Cauley Stein he's a really good shot blocker good rim runner you you have some pieces there so I don't really see the need to tank you need to get some some veterans in there that can help turn the franchise around yeah get get veterans Pick well. You have two, you, you have potentially two top ten picks this year, right. which is pretty good, and it's a fairly deep draft. So you're gonna get some players. Yeah, that I'm, Pelicans pick is gonna look pretty good now. Oh yeah. So that you know people are laughing. Like, I mean, I was laughing that Kings got kind of fleeced for that trade, but. They're going to have their pick, and then they're, they're going to have two lottery picks with Pelicans picking their own. Yeah. It's actually not looking so bad no more. They, they can turn it around quick if they have the right leadership in place. Yeah, and they have them linked to some good names. So you never know. All right. Well, we'll see. But just on that note, I just want to say good night to everybody. Thanks for listening once again. As always, this is the Pace and Space podcast. You can find us on the Sideline Reporter, the slreporter.com. You can find me on Twitter at Caldan384. You can find Leif on 
Twitter at LDB Creations. You can find us on the flagship Twitter account at the SL Reporter. If you have any questions, any topics you want us to discuss on a later podcast, you know, shoot us a tweet. Let us know what you guys thinking of this show. You can also find us on iTunes. Please, please feel free to subscribe, rate, and review. You can find us on SoundCloud. We're also on Stitcher, and we're on Google Play as well. So if you like hearing us, let us know about it. Tell us what you guys are thinking. Any ideas, we're open ears as always. Really want to see what everybody's been thinking about the show. Uh, Leif, you got any final words for us tonight? No, I just all I want to say is I want to thank everyone for listening. Um, Calvin said it said it best. If you want to hear us talk about something, please let us know. And you know we enjoy doing this, so we want to keep giving you some of the hot topics, keep talking about it, give you something to talk about, and we want to say thank you for listening to us. Yeah, right. Perfect. Couldn't have said it better. All right, everybody. Good night, and listen to that beat drop. <laughs>